Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world, and he serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. We are in a sermon series on hearing the voice of God based on a book that I wrote, and I'm continuing to write in the um, history of my life, and we are going to be focusing on today the issue of hindrances to hearing God's voice. Let's go ahead and pray as we open the word together. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we pray that you would speak to our hearts. As we focus on hearing your voice, we ask, Lord, that we would hear you more clearly in our life. I pray that your word would come alive in us. I pray that, Lord, you would bring about personal revival in each one of us, that our hearts would be alive to you, that our lives would be available to you, that we would be in love with you. We ask, Lord, that you would use this gathering, use our time, and you would come among us in your healing and revealing power and your manifest presence. We thank you, Lord, and we're expectant for all that you will do in just even a short amount of time, we ask that you would use it for your glorious purposes, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen. amen. And this part of the conversation, as you might remember, we've talked about many different things as it pertains to hearing the voice of God, how God is our heavenly father and he loves us. And that's the voice in which he speaks to us all the time. And we need to know that. We also have talked about how God speaks. We've talked about why God speaks. And we've talked about how the word of God is the foundation for everything that the Holy Spirit will ever say to us. I made sure to say that every week and I will continue to say that every week because this doesn't change and this is his authority to us. But certainly based on his word, the Holy Spirit will speak to us and guide us, direct us, lead us in the life that we live. And I think it's really important at this stage in this conversation as it unfolds, as it's been developing, that we talk about the hindrances that we might have to hearing his voice. And this is very important because sometimes the question can be, how do I discern God's voice? But the other question is also, why am I not hearing God's voice? Is there something in the way? Is there something blocking my ability to hear? And sometimes there actually is. And I want to make sure to do the best job that I can in helping all of us to discover if that is the case. When I was a young guy, probably about nine, but you know how dates are. You just sort of forget the past. <laughs> Maybe not all the past, but you forget dates. I do. My wife is a better date checker uh, than I am, which I'm glad she's not on the front row because I usually throw out like a time or a date or a year and she's like, <laughs> you ain't right. Women are sophisticated and certainly the upgrade. <laughs> Created after man, more refined. I have no, I'm no shame saying that whatsoever. When I was nine, though, I grew up playing baseball and basketball. Those are my sports. I know we got a lot of football fans in the house. I love you. I don't like football. It's okay. We could still be friends. You can invite me over for a football game. I'll talk to you while you're watching football. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. I know some people probably left the church. He's not a football fan. I'm gone. And I said, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> 
And I do. I like baseball and I like basketball. And so I grew up playing baseball. That was my sport. And, and that was back in the days. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember that we used to play baseball in the street too. We didn't just play it on the field. We would play it in the street. Any cul-de-sac was a great target for us to play baseball. I don't know why we don't do that very much today. But, you know, if you broke a window, you paid for it. It was just the way that it was. And so we used to play in the cul-de-sac. And this particular day when I was nine years old, I happened to be the catcher. I don't know if we cast lots and it fell on me to play the position that I hated, but I ended up playing catcher. And as a result of that, one of my friends came up to bat and as the pitcher pitched for whatever dumb reason, he took a step back and swung for the fences. And no, he did not hit the ball that day. What he did do is he hit the side of my head about as hard as you can for a 10 year old, you know? And so he knocked me straight to the ground, almost knocked me straight out. And, um, and maybe one inch down would have broken my jaw entirely. But it just, it, what it did was it hit this whole part of my skull, the top part of my jaw, but it crushed my ear. Thank you. You love me. I love that. And so I fumbled and, and tried to get home and got to the hospital and all of that. And for the next year or so, I would make hospital visits because we had to drain the ear and there was a lot of complications. And what ended up happening was I lost, I, I lost some of my hearing. I was hearing impaired for quite a long time. And so I, would just, I learned to live life with a hearing impairment. Now, that's nothing compared to people that are deaf who have to go through this. And they've had to you know, just do whatever they need to do in order to communicate, um, develop different forms of language as we know. And we have this on Saturday night available to us as a community. I love how we have different languages going on. Even, even next door we have in our... Hispanic congregation, um, Spanish as another language. I had to develop sort of a new way. And part of that was just learning that I can't hear everybody. And I got tired of saying, what did you say? I was always going, huh, what? And so I got sick of doing that. And I finally just sophisticated my ability to look at people and act like I knew what they were saying. (laughs) So I'm like, wow, yeah. Uh-huh, to- totally. Those are like the general ambiguous words that you can use when you're either not interested in what people are saying or you just simply can't hear. I'm always interested in what you have to say, but every now and again, I may not be able to hear. And so this is how I learned to live life. And praise God, my hearing is 100% now. I just want you to know, I believe the Lord's healed me at some point along the way, which is awesome. Every now and again, I'll have people come up and say, hey, can I pray for your ear? I'm like, you can, but I can hear. So, just because I'm telling a story doesn't mean I haven't been healed. I mean, come on. But there are other things that haven't quite gotten healed yet. But you know how it is. We just contend for what God's doing. And, and, and I learned to live life with a hearing impairment. There was never anything wrong with the speaker, but there was always something wrong with my hearing. And I think sometimes when we walk with the Lord, we just need to be reminded that there is nothing wrong with God's side of the equation. Jesus permanently secured our ability to have intimacy with our heavenly father. That's what Jesus came to do. He died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. He rose again so that we could have new life and walk with God again to reconnect us, to restore us to right relationship with God. God is communicating to us all the time, but sometimes we are not able to hear. We have a hearing impairment spiritually speaking. Jesus actually said this a couple times, but in Mark chapter 7 verse 16, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Now the crowds were listening to Jesus. They all had physical ears and it could have been quite offensive to hear Jesus say something like that. But what Jesus is saying is there's more to hear than just with your physical ears. Based on what I'm saying, it's not just in the physical. There's something that I am saying spiritually. And I know that we don't have the physical Jesus with us today. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, guiding us, communicating to us. And the question could remain just like it could have been when Jesus said this. Do we have ears to hear? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. A hindrance is something that would obstruct or stop us from our path or what we're going after. And in this case, we're talking about an obstruction from our ability to hear the voice of God. And let me just ask you this question before we go any further. Is there anything right now that is hindering you in your relationship with God and you're hearing him on your side, not on his side, because we know that's not the case. And if there is, let it rise to the top. What is that thing? What is the answer to that question? Is there anything in our life that is hindering us right now from hearing the voice of God? I don't believe it's rocket science. I don't believe it's something that we necessarily have to spend a lot of time thinking about. God, the Holy Spirit, will help us by causing it to rise to the top. Now, there are many hindrances I could talk about. I I don't even know how many there are. I have eight of them right here. I had 10. I reduced it down to eight. I'm probably only going to share with you two or three. Last night, I learned my lesson. In 45 minutes, I probably got out three quality ones, and then I shotgunned the rest. Didn't like it. Going to do better this morning. All right. (laughs) The first one that we know, obviously, hindrance number one is we don't know God. You cannot recognize the voice of someone you do not know. And this is obvious. Being a Christian is about knowing God first. And in knowing him intimately, we will be able to recognize his voice more frequently. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to some Pharisees, some religious leaders. And it also says there are some Jews there who started to believe in Jesus as a result of his ministry. They began to question his identity based on the contextual conversation where Jesus was talking about his heavenly father. Now this language was not normal for them. And so when they heard Jesus talk about his heavenly father, they understood him equating himself to be God. And in this conversation, they questioned him deeply and they continued to do so to where Jesus actually says this to him in John chapter eight, verse 47. He says, he who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. And this is so important for us to realize that these are a group of people that knew the scriptures, but they did not know God. And as a result of not being connected to God, and we would say in our modern context, as a result of being on this side of the cross, they were not born again. When we are not born again of the Spirit of God, when we have not given our hearts and our lives to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit does not live inside of us, we are not able to recognize His voice. So the first and most important hindrance is we will not hear God if we do not know Him personally. And the question remains for all of us in this room or anybody that's watching, is Jesus Christ our shepherd? Is is Jesus Christ our Our shepherd. If Jesus is not our shepherd, that is the best and the first decision that we need to make before we go any further. And I would tell you today, if you're here with us, if you're a guest, if you've been here a long time, and you even question that, 
Have I given my whole heart to Jesus? Is he my shepherd? Do I know him? Does the Holy Spirit live inside of me? Have I repented from my old ways and turned to Christ wholeheartedly? If you have not done that, this is by far the only thing that matters right now today, that we would give our lives to Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, now be able to hear him, know him, walk with him, and enjoy fellowship with him for the rest of our life, including eternity. He came not just to give us a good life in this life, he give, came to give us eternal life. That should make you smile. Look at everybody, go ahead and get one on there. Come on. Eternal life. You should not frown at that, ladies and gentlemen. You just should not. It's time to give our lives to Jesus. If you've already done that, be encouraged with hindrance number two. This is obviously something that we face as Christians quite frequently. We neglect time with God. To neglect means that we pay little attention to something or we disregard it entirely. Now, time represents an element in our life in, in, uh, it represents an aspect of our life that what we give our time to is actually what we value. And it is always a very good mirror for each one of us to be reminded that we do not have a lot of time in this life. And I want to spend a lot of our message right here in this particular point. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked specifically about prayer, fasting, and giving. These were the practices that he was encouraging those who were listening to give themselves to. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he specifically says, But you when, you, when you pray, go into your inner room and close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret what is done, he will reward you openly. Now, I know that's not on your notes because this is fresh from our heavenly sponsor. I interrupt this normal broadcast to bring you a word from our sponsor. He sponsors the entire thing that we are doing today. It's not in your notes because I felt led to share this with you. Jesus is talking in this passage about an inner room. He's associating being alone with God with a place. And I think this is so important. Now in the ancient times, an inner room was most likely a storeroom or maybe it was an inner chamber. Sometimes storerooms in ancient homes were on the roof of the house. And these were usually the only rooms that had doors. There were maybe a, maybe a bedroom would have a door. Most of the time it did not. They lived in open settings, slept in open settings. I don't know how that worked, but that's how it was. But they would have a storeroom and they needed to put things in there, whether it be food or other things. And they needed to make sure there was a door so things could be shut in and really guarded from the elements and anything else that would try to ruin or corrupt what they were storing in there. And Jesus says this very clearly. When you pray, I want you to go into your inner room. I want you to go to a place where you can actually shut the door. Now, this is so important because what he's talking about is I want you to shut yourselves in to being alone with the Father who sees in secret. And I want, to, I want you to shut yourselves out from the distractions that would try to take, take you away from being with the one that wants to spend time with you. Notice that Jesus says it very clearly, shut the door behind you. And that is a word for us in our generation that we've got to learn how to turn the off switch. 
We've got to learn how to shut out the distractions. If we want to hear the voice of God, we've got to be reminded today that one of the greatest hindrances that we have, in my opinion, is the distractions that we face. And it could be that we would say technology, entertainment, social media are the very forefront of what it is that we are up against. Now, I'm not coming today to demonize all of those things. I have Facebook, I have Instagram, I have all those, although because of this message and prior to it, I did delete all of those apps, (laughs) just to be honest. I have a YouTube account, I've got a big screen television, I've got an iPad, I have a MacBook Pro, I have an iMac, come on. I've got an iPhone, darn it, I don't think there's anything I don't have. But there comes a time where you have to realize the things that we have in our life to control our life actually end up controlling us. And I wouldn't demonize them, but being in a culture of excess, we have to recognize that we can go too far. And what the Lord is doing is not saying that we lack desire because whenever I talk to Christians, I know that inside of us, born of the spirit of the living God, we want to be with our heavenly father. We want to love God. We want to know God. We want to hear God. We desire him. We want to be with him. And we find that everything in this life that is significant comes and flows out of an intimate abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's everything that we are looking for. We want to be with God. And we find that we are constantly distracted from this very thing. Ben, what is the secret sauce? What is the secret to hearing the voice of God. I don't know if there are any secrets. Jesus came to permanently secure our ability to know and hear him. That's for certain. But what is stopping us? What is obstructing us? Is it a lack of desire? I don't think so. I think sometimes it's just like an addiction. A lot of times addictions start out like this. We have something that happens in our life. Maybe it's trauma, difficulty, turmoil, pain, and we seek to medicate ourselves. We go and we look for something to make ourselves feel better. And it can, be, it can be things that are not innately sinful. Maybe they're neutral at their core, like watching television or, or anything. It could even be food. A, an addiction can start with medicating something. But then all of a sudden, what once made us feel better, now we can't stop. And the habit sets in. You know, that's what happens with people that start with drugs, or anything that can be a modern drug. You know, you start with drugs because you don't feel okay. And all of a sudden, you feel a little better and you're inoculated for a time. You you get above it a little bit so you you can blank out on whatever the pain is, whatever the trauma is. And all of a sudden, what once made you feel better, now you can't live without. And it's become a part of you. And now you just need it because you need it. And am I talking to somebody this morning, okay? I'm talking to human beings. And this is why there's a plague of of pornographic addiction in our culture. Some people have said, I've read lots of books, they say, we're not going to have revival until we deal with that thing that's underneath the surface. And that's not to guilt or shame anybody. In fact, I think as we bring stuff into the light and we put it under our feet and we deal with it for what it really is, I believe that God will sweep revival in his church like we've never seen before. I can see hands raised and us getting louder and all that, but on the inside, what's eroding? What's not getting dealt with? What's crying out to feel better? 
that's not being brought into the light. Listen to me, without any guilt or shame, listen to me say this to you. Our neglecting God comes a lot from the distractions that we have that become destructive. The things that we hate all of a sudden become our demise. We need to deal with these things today. If I could say anything about hindrances, I would say this. Look it square in the face, call it what it is. And ask God for his grace to empower you out of whatever the the clinch of that might be. Now listen, just to relate, I've been through seasons of time and and I, I I don't actually even fully know why. I talked with people, I walked with people, I tried to get an understanding on what I was walking through, but I went through a season of time that started like this. I remember waking up in the morning and I didn't want to get out of bed. And it seemed kind of subtle. I just thought maybe I was a little extra tired. You know, there's actually a scripture in the Proverbs that talks about not loving your bed. You know, that's one I've quoted many times. Because when you have purpose, you need to get out of bed so you can be about God's business. And laziness becomes your enemy very quickly. But I remember I didn't want to get out of bed and I, it happened for a week and I didn't think much of it. But then two weeks go by, three weeks go by and it just got worse. And I would never use the word depression, right? I don't want to label myself, amen? I don't want to label myself. And I would never use that word. It took me a year to actually say what it really was. And then I found myself in the evenings where I used to be drawn to a place of prayer. I, I spend time in the morning with God. I read the word, I pray, I seek the face of God. But there were times where I would just seek God at night where everybody was sleeping and I would spend an hour, maybe an hour and a half just on my face before God in prayer. And it was special, it was sweet. Every house I've ever lived in, I've had an encounter, a heavenly encounter with God. In my living room, every house that I've ever lived in, I've had encounters with God that I I wouldn't share with you today. I don't know what you'd think of me if I told you that they happened. But I've had those kinds of things happen and God has drawn my heart to him. The reality of God is something nobody could take away from me. You could make fun of me, you could say what you want, but I've encountered the living God in ways that are hard to describe. And it wasn't because I was special. It wasn't because I was better than anybody. I just spent time in prayer and when I did, the sweetness of his presence, his love would rush in, his reality was ever before me. But all of a sudden in this season, I was no longer drawn to prayer like I once was. And I found myself with that remote in my hand. Now, I didn't have cable television for like 15 years or 14 years or however long it was. I, I'd never had it. We'd gotten rid of it and so be it. I just, I just knew it was a distraction. I think it's okay to watch television. I think it's okay to watch a movie. I like watching a good movie. But all of a sudden, I started watching a show. And I didn't even know what binge watching was until, until it happened to me. There was that day, and I realized the name Hulu is actually a demon. (laughs) Netflix is a demon name, (laughs) you know, or at least I felt like it. (laughs) That's not true. I'm just totally, all right. I started watching this show, and I got hooked, and then I got to watch two, and then I got to watch three, and then I got to watch four, and, and really, I, again, there, I was, in my mind, I'm like, what I'm watching is, there's nothing wrong with what I'm watching, but you know, it's amazing how in television, they start sneaking stuff in there that you're not cool with, and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, okay, well, I'll fast through, forward through that part. You know, it's even PG-13 stuff, right? But it's stuff that Jesus died for, and you can become desensitized by. And can I tell you today that I think even the church is desensitized, Jesus came and he died on a cross for a lot of the things that entertain us today. And we live in a time, and we've all, we always have, if you read anything about history, 
not just church history, but just history, human beings have a profound way of calling evil good and good evil. It's something that we've done since the very beginning. We've changed the terms. We've changed the definitions. Human beings are very good at that, and you see that even in our modern times. I'm watching television, and all of a sudden, I'm watching two hours of television, and I'm going to bed later and later, and those times of prayer are just getting less and less, and now they're no more, and just in the morning time, and I find I'm using my time of prayer in the morning, starting out with guilt. Not because I'm watching TV, but because I don't know what's wrong with me anymore. Like, why do I feel this way? Why am I trying to medicate something? Now, for me, God had dealt with things, so I wasn't going to these other sins that I no longer had, but now it's television, and in my mind, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with TV. It's not sinful, right? And so, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, but you know, it wasn't about what I was doing. It's about what I was missing. It's that I was missing what God created me for. And the devil, the enemy, the demonic spirits of hell, you know, that's really what they're after. They're not knocking on the door on Halloween. They're coming through the preferences. They're coming through the vices. They're distracting us, which ultimately destroys us. And all the while we're saying things, and I was saying things like there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, and I'm medicating something inside of me instead of spending precious time with my first love. I want to hear the voice of God. God, why am I not hearing you? I'm journaling. I'm reading. And he's like, Ben, I'm drawing your heart. It's not legalism. It's not just about spending this 40 minutes or 60 minutes or 80 minutes. It's not about that. It's about being drawn. It's about responding. It's about obeying. It's about being in love. It's just like a marriage. If you're married, you know this. You can become functional rather than having a loving relationship. And you have a guilt in your marriage at times, realizing that your roommates, come on, somebody, And you know you've got to come back to what this was in the beginning when you made a covenant, when you made a vow, and you said to this one, I forsake all others. I forsake all others because exclusivity is what I'm about now. I'm just about you. Yeah, that's right. When I looked at my wife on that day, almost 16 years ago, I said, I forsake all others. You're the only one in my heart, and I will let none other in. When we make... When we, when we give our lives to Jesus and we enter into the covenant that the son made with the father, that's a perfect covenant that cannot be broken. By faith, we enter into that covenant when we say yes to Jesus. When we do that, we are saying we forsake all others, but the world is not telling us that they will forsake the pursuit on us to distract us in the time that we have to minimize and mitigate any impact that we will ever have in this life. And we spend a lot of our times as Christians, let's be honest, being feeling guilty for what we're not doing not just for what we're doing and that's the secret right there the secret is that so often we spend a lot of the time that we do have feeling guilty for what we're not doing with the time that we've been wasting I don't know that I'm going to get any further than this but I felt led to share a scripture with you this morning in worship and I'm just going ahead and do it Paul said to the Ephesian church, he said, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men or women, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Ladies and gentlemen, the days are evil. 
You and I are the light of the world. We're called to not be afraid of anything. He's taken our guilt. He's taken our shame. He's forgiven us of our sin. And he sends us into the world to be salt and light, unashamed, unafraid, bold witnesses of Jesus Christ, telling everyone that our heavenly father desires to have us back. We carry the message, the profound message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to draw all people to him. And God is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. But when we neglect our time and we don't realize the times in which we're living, that the assault of the enemy on our life is not necessarily just to get us to sin, but it's just to be distracted most often. If I can distract you, it's like you can hear the enemy say, if I can distract you, I can destroy you. I can distort your hearing. I can cause you to not ever feel, sense, know the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And this book will never get into you. You can memorize it all you want. This book is filled with people that knew it better than all of us that not, did not know God. They did not know him. He, Jesus stood in front of their face. He stood in front of their face and quoted the same scriptures that they had memorized. And yet they couldn't know. And they didn't know. They did not know in those moments that the one that the scriptures talk about standing right in front of them. You know, and far be it from me as a Christian to act like that can't happen to me, even though I have the precious Holy Spirit living in me. So many warnings, so many exhortations in the Bible to Christians saying, do not lose your first love. Exhortations that Paul would give the churches that he started, churches that were six, seven, ten years old. Far be it from us to have any arrogance that would say that we can't slip back into patterns that make us look like everyone else. Paul goes on to say, so do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Isn't it amazing that when we know the will of God for our life, we know the purpose, purpose will then dictate our time rather than time wasting our lives. When we know what we're about, that it's not just to go to work and it's not just to make some money and it's not just to have a retirement plan and it's not just to have a nice family with a smile on their face and feel good about everything. It's not about all. Life is about following faithfully the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what he tells us to do. And we lose track of that, don't we? We can lose track of that. And he goes on to say, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe wine isn't your thing. Maybe, maybe alcohol is not your thing. But what about this? Do not be intoxicated. What intoxicates you? I went through that period of a year, and God graciously, by his mercy, brought me out of that depression and the source of that depression. And I found that wasn't about understanding fully and completely. And yes, I've talked to people why I got there. It was about more so fully and understanding the one who could bring me out. Amen. And when I locked on to him, what ended up happening is God did what I could not do. And I quoted scriptures over my life. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Self-sufficiency will not suffice. You can quote that. That's a good one. <laughs> know the will of the Lord. What your purpose is. It's so important for us. Want to hear the voice of God. Jesus says shut the door. Turn some things off. Admit you have an addiction. Can I, can I ask you today. If you have an addiction to your devices. There's nothing wrong with having these things in our life. But when these things have our life. All of a sudden something starts to happen. 
where we're distracted from the very reason that we're alive. Jesus died to bring us back into not only relationship, but purpose so that we could be about the right things and spend our life on significance, those things that truly matter. Yeah, we can enjoy a good show, a good baseball game, and a football game, if you like, or basketball. There's nothing wrong with having these things in our life, but there is something wrong with these things owning our life. And I just, honestly, I feel like we can't, there's, there's, a, there's a denial that goes on. This is not about guilt. I want God to draw us by his Holy Spirit into a place where our ears are open. But you can't, you can't just, you know, I, I, these are my earphones. I know these, these are, I like to look cool when I work out. You know what I mean? You can't just do this, you know? I know this looks awesome. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> God, I want to hear you. This is... Hey, God, I want to hear you. <laughs> Lord, I'm here. I'm listening. What's going on? You know, I really want to hear you. But we're just distracted because what we're plugged into is not, is not him. We're just walking around. I don't know what's wrong. Is there something wrong with me? Ben, is there something wrong with me? I mean, you're on a stage in front of a lot of people, and this is being recorded. The big old thing on your head. I remember when my son um, started going to Bible college, my oldest son, thank you, he started going to Bible college, and I would see him, and, and young people, if you're in the room, don't get mad at me for this. I love you. I, I do. But he would be on the couch, and he's, he doesn't go to this church, so I can say anything I want. It's part of being a parent. It's amazing. He would be on the couch with his laptop and he'd be like studying for a paper, writing a 10, 12 page paper and he'd be like laid back, like just like, like an old school writer. He'd be like laid back like this. I don't even know if I can do this, but he'd be like laid back and he'd have like a book open right here. Like, I don't even know how you do that. And then his laptop up right here and then he'd have earphones in and he's just, he's just, and he's like this and he's like, dink, 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 dink. And I'm looking at the, I'm seriously, you should see, I mean, I can't, I, It'd be a photo finish if you could see this. And I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm going, what the heck are you doing? So I finally go like, I wanted to say his name because I got a couple kids. Well, I say, Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, son, if you're watching. I say, Isaiah, what are you doing? And he's like, what? What's wrong? I'm like, <laughs> I just need you to see what I see. I, he's just, I go, Isaiah, get to the kitchen table. Lay your stuff out. Focus on what you're doing. Write a quality paper. He goes, well, I need a little background music. I'm like, no, you actually don't. Trust me, you're gonna bring, I write books, man. You're gonna bring about some quality stuff. Get to the table, lay your stuff out. I fought with him for like a year and a half. He never believed me. He always tried to convince me that he needed background music and all this kind of stuff. I didn't buy it. I thought, no, you've accepted more distraction and I'm guaranteeing you, if you contrast what you're doing to what I'm asking you to do, you're gonna find that a higher quality is gonna come because your focus is gonna be like a laser. It took me a year or so, and he finally, when I'd come home, he'd be at the kitchen table, have all of his stuff laid out. It was amazing. He'd have a little background music on, just white noise. I was like, all right, that's a good compromise. <laughs> but now today, that's what he does. He lays all this stuff out just like I do, spread it all out, and we get the job done. We focus in. We have a hard time, and I'm not blaming him. Maybe he can do, he's multi-focused, multitask. Maybe he can do things I can't do, okay, like juggle. I don't know. But we have a hard time focusing, don't we? 
Somebody said to me last night, they said, it's the wandering thoughts. I wonder if some of it is self-induced. I wonder if some of it, we just need to learn how to turn stuff off. This is so important because I feel like it's as practical as knowing how to turn things off. Jesus said, shut the door. He said, shut the door. I preach that, man. Shut the door. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, shut the door. <laughs> I bet you people going home today, they're going to shut the door and be like, Pastor Penn said, shut the door. I'm going to shut the door on you. <laughs> Stop talking to me like that. It's not exactly what Jesus meant. But if you use it, I would love to hear the testimony. Can it be said, though, that probably the greatest hindrance that we have living in the information age is that we haven't learned how to turn anything off? Knowing that God is speaking to us? Now, there are so many other things that I could say here. Many other hindrances that we have. I talk about a hard heart. I talk about all these other things. There, there, are, there are a lot of hindrances that we have. I would like to finish my message today by just simply focusing on this last one because I think it ties into what I just said. The number three is we have a hard heart. The writer of Hebrews, as you'll see on scripture on your notes, he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I have learned that when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and we do not respond it gets harder and harder and harder to hear his voice because our heart gets hard. God's heart does not get hard. His heart, he is in love with us. And sometimes that comforts us when people say God loves you and you're like, yes, that's so good. He does love you, but he wants to love us out of hard-heartedness. Just because God loves us does not mean that he's gonna do our part. His love draws us to a place of loving him in return. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. What God's love should and must do is draw us to reciprocate, not to pay back, but simply to respond in like kind, to give him the love that he's given to us. That's the reciprocation of this relationship. And as we find that being the case more and more and our heart gets softer and softer and softer, it is not that difficult to hear the voice of the Lord because we're giving him our time, we're giving him our attention, we're giving him our affection and he's drawing us back to first love. And let me just ask you this question, do you desire to spend time with God? Have you lost your hunger for his word? Have you lost the desire to be with him? Because when we do, we lose our hearing of his voice. And, and even then we're expecting his voice to be harsh or corrective because we don't feel like we're in the right space. We just gotta let guilt and shame not be our voice. Recognize that Jesus came, died for us so that we could come into his presence boldly to the throne of grace, finding help in our time of need. And by the way, our time of need is every moment of every day. We can come boldly into, the, into his throne room, looking up to our Abba Father, knowing his disposition towards us, no matter what it is that we've done or where it is that we've been. But don't spend one more day with unbelief. Don't spend one more day with unrepentant sin. 
Don't spend one more day wasting your time, wasting your life on lesser things. And that's exactly what we do. We give our life and our time to lesser things. All the while, God is drawing us by the Holy Spirit. Come and be with me. We want purpose. We want to hear the purpose of the Lord. We want to know. We want his word to come alive in us. And it's found as we give our time over to him. As we give our time to him, we give our heart over to him. As we give our heart over to him, he fills our heart with everything that he desires for us. And everything he desires for us actually brings glory to God because it's from God. Hard-heartedness will swipe out the purpose of God, but we get to humble ourselves in repentance where our ears are open and our hearing is clean and clear and God will move again in our, in our lives. Here's what I would say to you. Let's not waste one day. Let's not waste one day. If there's a recognition among us today for you that you need to come back to your first love, I'm not asking if you, if you love Jesus or not. I'm not asking if you know him or not. I'm saying do you love to be with him? Have you, have you lost your spiritual appetite? I've spent a lot of time with people in hospice care facilities. It's an honor to be at the end of someone's life with them. I actually feel that way. I feel that it's a privilege. One of the things that I get to do. But when you get to spend a lot of time with people when they're dying, it actually changes your perspective about living. It's one of the things I actually do enjoy about funerals is hearing the legacy of a person's life and letting it inspire me to live well. Because at the end of it, it's all summed up in just one and a half, one and a half hours. What are the things that are said that can inspire the rest of us to truly live well? As I've spent time with people in hospice care facilities, you know that the sign of death is when they lose their appetite. They no longer eat. And when you don't eat, your organs start to shut down. And let me just tell you, spiritually speaking, a sign that we are spiritually dying is that we're not hungry for the things of God anymore. We're not hungry for his word. We're not hungry for his presence. We're not hungry for prayer. We have more complaints about church than we do contributions towards it. Come on, somebody. I'm not indirectly preaching it. I don't do that passive aggressive stuff. I'm just saying, we're all people. We're all human beings. We lodge complaints rather than bring contributions. We're all messed up in one way or another, but we are all being redeemed. We are all being set free. We are all here to contribute what God has put inside of us for the greater good, the greater body of Christ. And what I'm saying is, is that if we are spiritually dying, he wants us to come alive and come back to our first love. And in that, we will find that the voice of God becomes clearer than we could ever know. That's the secret. There it is. I, saw, I told you I didn't even charge you for it. It was awesome. <laughs> Amen? I want to pray today as we close that God would give us a spiritual hunger, not merely to hear his voice, but to know him better. He's not looking for a better performance. He wants a better relationship. And when we have a better relationship with him, we will find everything that we're looking for. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your inner room, shut the door behind you, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know what we want openly? We want more love for God. We want purpose in this life. We want our children, our young people, our friends, our family members to know and walk with God, and we want to be a witness of his love, his grace, and his truth. 
Not a compromising witness, but a true witness of Jesus Christ. May you reward us openly with that. Father, we thank you today as your people. We repent, not just for the bad things we've done, but we repent for the wasting of time. We ask, Lord, that you would redeem the time for the days are evil. I pray over our congregation that we would not be distracted or destroyed in this thing that we call time, giving it over to lesser things. Lord, we pray that even today, right here and right now, that we could capture our days, that we could have a view of what lies ahead of us, even just in this next 12 hours, that we recognize that we may not have a whole lot of days left. We may not have years and years, but what we do have is today. And your word says, if we hear your voice today, do not harden your heart. And so Lord, we repent for the wasting of time. We repent for the wasting of days. We ask you, Lord, to redeem it. We pray even right, right now, Lord, that you would convince us, convict us where we've given ourselves to lesser things. That we found that our pursuit of hearing your voice is not just about hearing, but it's also about giving our time over to you for obeying and walking with and knowing you and even interpreting what you're trying to say to us that we might receive it properly. I pray, God, for our church, for me, for our families, for our homes, that you would help us to walk with you in a way that is worthy of the call that is in Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord. We ask you to draw us back to first love today. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.